If you will, open up your Bibles to John, the 16th chapter. Uh, We're in week number three of The Real Walk. Jesus made some astounding statements to us when he was leaving and to the disciples that, um, you know, maybe haven't been uh, explored like they should. You know, uh, in in our country, we... um, didn't know we had oil like we did underground. And as we've explored, we've realized we have more resources underground than maybe other countries that we thought were the king, so to speak. And with a Christian life, you know, there can be oil under the ground, so to speak, that's never been tapped. And, and or we see it and we're like, oh yeah, we know we've, we've done some exploratory things. We know there's great oil there, but it's doing us nothing. Are you with me? Because that, that's such a true statement, you know. I mean, that's how the Beverly Hillbillies became rich. I mean, they had the oil the whole time. Wasn't until he was out hunting and shot his gun and up came that oil that made him rich. And if you go back, he, I think, had $25 million. Today, we're like, no, oh, he's sort of rich. You know, he'd need to be a billionaire today, I guess. But anyway, that being said, turn to John 16th chapter in the 7th verse. We're going to look at some astounding things that Jesus said that are applicable for today. And we're not going to go into great detail about these things. But he said some things that probably would rock uh, religious circles today. I'm talking Christian ones that that are not obsolete, that are necessary, necessary for us to understand so we can walk in them, or it's just oil under the ground. It's just a dream. It's just like, oh, wow, that, that's really a cool statement. But John 16, verse, uh, we'll read verse 6, actually. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, what was it he said? He told them, I'm going to be leaving. They thought he's going to be here forever and set up his earthly kingdom. And they're like, low blow. What in the world? You're going to leave? We gave up our jobs. We've been following you for three and a half years. You know, they had even talked to him about, do I get to sit on one side in your kingdom? Do I get to sit on this side of your throne? How can I, you know, have this great position? And then all of a sudden, all these dreams they had been dreaming about of this earthly kingdom and them being rulers in it, Because someday that's going to happen. The Lord will return. And then that will come to pass. But they thought it was back then. And he said, no, it's not going to happen right now. And uh, they're bummed. I I mean, I know you wouldn't have been, but, but they were. They're like, man, this is not what we were expecting. And they're, they're sorrowful. And, you know, sometimes when, you know, we get sorrowful, uh, we don't hear anything else. It, it just, it, it devastates us. I remember my parents didn't tell me that my dog died when I was a little kid. Uh, they, uh, until after I had this little league game, they told me, you know, after we got done, they said, we have something to tell you, your dog died. And I, rem- I remember falling apart. I mean, and I remember saying, why didn't you tell me before the game. They said, well, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. I, huh, yeah, huh. So I w- would have, you know, I couldn't have. And, you know, that's my dog. This is Jesus. I mean, he's gone. I'm leaving. <laughs> and when you get that kind of news, you, you don't always hear everything else that goes on. Even if it is, oh, and by the way, something good is really going to happen to you and it's going to be better. They didn't hear that. It even describes that. Notice this. But I said these things, verse 6, these things to you, therefore sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He's still talking. They're not really listening. It is to your advantage or your benefit that I go away. That should be taught today real strong. 
Because most people dream that if I only lived when Jesus lived, life would be better. So they have a false thing about some treasure there that for some reason we were all disadvantaged. That humans in the earth are disadvantaged today. If we could just go back to the high point of humanity when Jesus walked on the earth, but we can't, so bummer. But we'll just kind of wait till he comes back to earth. We'll squeeze through. You know, it's real dark today. Look at everything's happening in the world. Just If I can just, you help hold me up, I'll help hold you up and we'll kind of fall in when he comes back. No, he said, that's not how it needs to be. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Well, how can it be to an advantage to have the Son of God walking with you on the earth, and he's, he's telling you, look, it's going to get better, it's going to be a good thing. Even Christians probably would read this and go, nuh-uh. <laughs> he, he wasn't telling the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. He didn't, Jesus didn't say, I speak the truth. He said, I am the truth. So everything he did speak was truth, but I mean, there's no lying about this. It's just maybe like oil under the ground. If we could learn how to tap into this, this advantage, then life might be different. But notice this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. And we went into more detail before, but, but he said it's to your benefit, for your profit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, well, who is this helper? Helper. So I'm going to leave, but there's going to be a helper. Will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him or this helper to you. Now, he's going to describe things about the helper, but go look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear it right now. In other words, right now, while I'm standing here, we're talking. I have a lot of things I want to say to you, but you're just not ready. You're not in a position uh, but he didn't go, so it's kind of a bummer because I'm leaving. So this is kind of like some treasures you could have had if you were further along, and I could have told you, but I'm sorry. I'll take them with me, and I'll be in heaven, but someday you'll be with me, and it'll be good. He didn't say that. He said, I have many things I want to deal with you, talk to you about. He said, but you're not ready to hear them now. However, however, when he, the spirit of truth, now this is the Holy Spirit who has been called the comforter, who has been called the helper. He said, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. Truth is reality. Lies are deception. We live in a world that's full of deception and blindness. But thank God, one thing about proper truth out of the Word of God, it brings light. It brings clarity. It makes the blind to see. And I don't mean just physically blind, spiritually blind. And he said, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. Other translations say of his own accord or of his own compulsion. In other words, the Holy Spirit does not just say stuff of his own will. He never does. That's why we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. That's why we see in the Bible we don't pray. But notice, part of the advantage is having the Holy Spirit. And why is that? He said, I've got a lot to say to you guys. When you grow some, I'm going to speak more. And when you grow some more, I'm going to deal with you some more. And I'm going to show you stuff. He's, and he even said, I'm going to help 
you when you share with lost people to convict them so they know they have a need of a Savior. And he goes on and explains these things, and then he's talking about how he will now get these things that he's wanted to say. Notice this. He will not speak of his own authority or in his own compulsion. He said he will speak, he will speak whatever he hears. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us, but you know what he's going to talk to us about? What he hears from Jesus. What he hears from the Father. How is he going to speak to us? When I first got saved, man, I was on fire for God. I mean, I was a pyro for Jesus. I mean, I was, you get near me, hi-ya. And, uh, but, you know, when you have zeal and not a lot of knowledge, you can come to some different conclusions. And I did, because I would hear these Christians just talking around, you know, what do they call that water cooler talk? You know, just hanging out, hey, what are you doing? Hey, the Lord spoke to me today. And they're like, oh yeah, he spoke to me too. And I'm like, he did? Well, and then he, I mean, everywhere you go, he's talking to me, you know, because now I got new friends. He wasn't talking to the drug people I knew before. The devil was talking to them. He was talking to me back then. He still talks to us. But we want to decipher God's voice. And so every time they'd say, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, I'd be like, whoa. And I could remember leaving those times, driving on the freeway or driving in the car going, God, talk to me. Talk to me. And I mean, that became my prayer. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. And the whole time he had been talking to me. But I was expecting I was going to hear with these physical ears, like somebody talking. I didn't realize that some of his talking would not be uh, words like we use, but he would deal with me inside. That was new. I remember leaving church, going, wow, that was an incredible message. Going home, you're going to make your lunch. Now we don't go home to make lunch. We have it delivered or we go somewhere. But anyway, back then, went home to make your sandwich. And uh, I remember I'd turn on the TV, and uh, when I'd turn it on, something would be scratching as I'd watch it. Just like, yeah. And I'm like watching the football game, and I'm watching first because football wasn't on 24 hours a day back then. But I would watch, you know, like the Munsters, F Troop, Three Stooges, then football came in. And so I remember watching those, and I'm trying to get ready, you know, my lunch now, and something would be just down here going, yuck. And I didn't know God was dealing with me. I'm like, talk to me. And I realized when I didn't do that, it seemed like my Christian walk took off. But every time I ignored that and going, and I'm asking him, talk to me. I didn't realize these scriptures were trying to be reality to me. Nobody had taught me this. I just heard God's going to speak in an audible voice. I remember when I moved here, I went to Nordstrom's over in in, uh, Chandler. And uh, I, there was a girl there that had sold me a shirt, and so I started talking to her, and, and, she, and I would shop there occasionally. She gave her life to the Lord. And uh, I don't know, maybe a month later um, or two, she, I went back in and talked to her. And, and she, said, she said, I don't know what's going on, but she said, I met this really good-looking guy. I thought, well, okay, what's your problem if you want a good-looking guy? I mean, if you don't, then pick another one or something. She said, I was out to eat, and it was after we prayed that prayer, and she said, I kept looking at him, and something was scratching me inside like, yuck, this is not right. And she kept thinking in her head, why? He's good-looking, And, you know, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit would cause us to have a peace, not in our minds, 
but way down inside, and he'd witness with our spirit. And so what was happening was she, when she came to know the Lord, God started trying to deal with her. Nobody had taught her these scriptures. But how many of you know, we need the word of God, but whether I read the scripture or not, there, when I first got saved, these things are reality. Now the word has to have its highest place. But anyway, he said he won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will tell you. So what is he listening to? He said, I take, he will take from me and show it to you. And Jesus said, whatever, Jesus said, everything that the Father has is mine. So basically, Jesus said, the way he's going to get this stuff to us is by the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit in us does not make us weirdos. Now, you can be weird, but I'm just saying. Now, the world may think you're weird. The Bible said when, when these people got saved in the Bible, it said the world will think you're strange that you don't run to the same excesses that you once did. And that's okay. I mean, I want to be accused of being weird for the right reason. Are you with me? In other words, is it a good weird or a bad weird? I want to be, if I'm accused of being weird, I want it to be for a good weird. The ones like not going and doing everything everybody else does or I once did. So anyway, the Holy Spirit in us is going to guide us. He's going to direct us. He's going to make the word of God come alive to us. That's why when people give their life to the Lord, the Bible becomes a different book. I remember trying to read the Bible when I was trying to get squared away with God, and I thought, yeah, and I'd just put it away. But the minute I did give my life to the Lord, I had an insatiable hunger, and then God met that hunger by helping me as I would read to see things in the Word of God. And this is all part of this real walk. But in praying about this this morning, I want you to turn to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. You know, does everybody walk in this? Everybody can. God loves every believer. But there are some things we have to be careful of as believers as we walk in this stuff. And God will lead us into all truth, and truth is freedom, the Bible said. The truth will make you free. Well, what kind of freedom? You know, I don't know what that looks like to you, but emotional stuff, having your mind at peace, that's freedom. You know, all different types of things are freedom. Are you with me? And so what kind of freedom? And so the Bible is written to help us to walk in God's best. I'm convinced that everybody who has given their life to the Lord, the Lord is endeavoring to deal with them. And he wants this to be vibrant. But do you know there are some things that can come into our life that can affect the vibrancy of our relationship with the Lord? That doesn't mean he leaves you. It doesn't mean he forsakes you. It's just all of a sudden there's some internal conflict that starts happening, and then the battles we face are not out here. They become internal. And so the Lord, uh, in his word, has put things in there to help us to avoid these. So we can all have, you know, a woe relationship. Not like, come on, be on fire. But where we're burning. And so there, there is a tremendous scripture right here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, where these are Jewish believers who have converted to Christ. And they're facing all kinds of pressure if you read the book of Hebrews, and they're trying, they're being persecuted by other Jews, and they're saying, you need to reject Christ, you need to turn away from him, you need to go back and start sacrificing animals, this Jesus isn't the way. 
and they knew he was the way. They all had had a personal experience. And what's so interesting early on in this 12th chapter, he describes what Jesus, what we read from Jesus' lips. He said, God deals with each one of his own children. If you're not dealt with, then you're really not his child. And, and so, now understand, those lines can get blurry, and it can be few and far between that we get dealt with because maybe we've drawn cold or allowed certain things in our life to hinder this relationship. I'm not saying the Lord left you, but I'm saying there are things that he warned about. He told us here that God deals with every single one of his children. And so as he goes through this, he's talking about how to have a real tremendous walk with God. To do his plan while you're on the earth. To do it as a group, to be effective, to reach people. But there are some things that really can blur the lines, and we're going to look at one, and, and, and it's a huge one. Now, obviously, it, obedience is always key. This is an area of obedience. Notice Hebrews, the 12th chapter in the 14th verse. He said, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, if you read that at face value, if you don't live a holy life, you're not going to see the Lord. Now, if you don't know the scripture, you're going to think, because doesn't it say that? Well, how do you walk holy? In the context, if you read, the way you partake of this holy life is just respond to God's dealings. I remember going to a church one time. I'd been checking churches. I walked into this one, and all of a sudden, inside, it felt like home. And nobody was friendly to me. And I thought, well, I can't leave because of that. I've got to follow this. And it became, wow. And it made my life better. And my walk richer. We need to listen to this. And when we listen, the interesting thing about this is it creates holiness. It creates holiness in us. You with me? We're holy when we give our lives to the Lord. He sets us apart. When we respond to him, it does something. Notice this, verse 14. Uh, or actually 15. Now nah, we'll, we'll go back because I don't want to leave you hanging. No one will see the Lord. That word there literally means to perceive and grasp. You remember Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus in John 3. Jesus said some profound things. He came to him, he said, we know you're a teacher sent from God. Jesus said, except for you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Then he said, well, how can I be old or, and be born again? He, he starts going back and forth with him, but he makes this statement. The next time he said, if you are not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Those are two different things. Now, think of this. He told him, we know you're a teacher sent from God. You're getting us things he said unless you're born again you can't see the word in the greek is literally perceive and grasp when a person gets born again they start perceiving and grasping spiritual things from god jesus was saying a saved person will be able to grasp things perceive things internally it's the same word right here without holiness no one will perceive 
the Lord. In other words, if I start living unholy and start ignoring his dealings, then I don't perceive him to the degree I could. And so he's going to go on. And he said in uh, verse 15, he said, looking carefully. In other words, this is something every believer has to pay attention to and has to be real, real careful and have to be looking and be on guard for this thing right here. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the vibrancy of our relationship, how effective we are, how, how we know him, and it gets better as we walk with him. And so here it says in verse 15, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. But I thought we were all saved by grace. We are. But do you know there's grace for daily living? You know, we're allowed to go to the throne of grace to find help and find grace for our time of need. There's God's ability for us. Now notice this. Looking carefully lest anyone falls short of the grace of God. And here is why people would. And this is what every believer has to watch out for. Lest... Any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Bitterness causes trouble. It comes as a seed. It comes through an event. It will attempt to get you to be upset or bitter with other people. Seeds are words and actions. We see that in the Bible, but he doesn't just evaluate the seed or the action. He deals with the issue that comes after if it's not dealt with. He said roots will get in you. My neighbors, when we were growing up, we had a big tree in our yard. They had a big tree in their yard. And their tree had these weird, like, they call them alligator roots, you know, big roots, but they grow on the surface, so they kind of look like an alligator in the water. And it was like some kind of mulberry or something like that. And, and they, that, those roots would seek out water, and, and uh, they, in a different way than the kind we had in our yard, and it would get in their pipes and start backing up their pipes. It would just wedge its way in, and it caused all kinds of trouble for their house. Where ours had deeper roots, it didn't deal with that. But he said here, you've got to be careful because he said, lest any of you fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And then notice this, by this, what? This bitterness, one thing that every Christian is going to have to deal with and be super careful with, is bitterness. He said, thereby, or by this seed, but he doesn't address the seed, he talks about the effects of it, because everybody is going to have issues come against them. Everybody is going to have an opportunity to forgive. You maybe already have had two or three while I've been teaching. But that's between you and the Lord if I'm saying his word. I mean, you could have been offended we didn't have the right donut for you this morning. You know, and you're already having to deal with this. But the fact is, real things come through a seed. Somebody says something, somebody does something, somebody treats you a certain way, doesn't quote-unquote do you right? And maybe they really did something that was not right. But just because they did something wrong doesn't mean you are to allow bitterness. To allow that to be, uh, be the seed that gets its roots. Because roots, if you notice here, it has an effect on the grace we live in. If you go on, it starts showing a progression how people will compromise and sell their birthrights if these roots get in them. 
And when we talk about their birthright, we're talking about their standing with God, what belongs to them. If you read on, we're not going to. But he said, these roots get where? In your heart. Jesus said this, the heart that has stony ground or has something else taking up soil space will cause the word of God not to work for you like it should. And it's interesting that he said it will spring up and by this many become defiled. What is it to be defiled? It means to to dye with a different color or to stain, to defile, to pollute, to contaminate or to soil, to make it dirties us as Christians if we don't deal with all of this. Jesus said this, and man, if he didn't say this stuff, it would be, be a lot, lot easier. But these are helpful things. He said, if you, he said, when you say to a mountain and speak to a problem in your life, he said, that mountain will move. And then he, the next verse, verse 24 of the 11th chapter of Mark, he said, then you can pray and you could receive and you would have. And then he said, oh, by the way, when you're praying, if you have just ought against anybody, just, he didn't say a big thing, just ought. He said, forgive, or your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Ugh. I didn't write that. But it, it, here's the thing. If I didn't tell you that because I was afraid to offend you, you'd walk around crippled spiritually. You would walk around building bitterness, allowing seeds multiple roots that would get into your heart. And I don't know about you, but in my observation, when you get roots in soil, and he's talking about the heart, don't roots steal from the ground? Don't they take from the ground? And if you've got God's life and love and we allow bitterness in and we don't deal with it, it's going to start taking stuff from us. So we said, well, I can handle it. You're, you're not supposed to. Somebody said, you know, but we live in a world where everybody is bitter. Well, he said here, this is an area where all Christians are really going to have to be on guard. I mean, we live in a society where this is everywhere, and some people say, yeah, but I see it in everybody. Samson lived that way. Think about if Samson was here, and he looked at all the guys in here, and he's like, how come they get to go to a barber every three weeks or month? That guy's got long hair, but you could tell he cut it at some point in his life. How come they get their hair cut? What about me? And then he went everywhere he goes, everybody's getting their hair cut. And he's like, well, how come I can't get my hair cut? Because if he would have cut his hair, it would have affected his destiny. It would have affected what God had put upon his life. And when we hold these things and we think, well, it's just okay to hold these things when the roots get in, it affects how we're going to walk with God. Because it, it tarnishes. It, it, it's interesting, he calls it a root of bitterness. He didn't say it would be like a Hershey's candy bar. Or a prime rib steak, a root of prime rib. Like, oh, that's good. with horseradish if you like it. So yeah, a root of spaghetti. Oh, good spaghetti. We'd be thinking like that. He said a root of bitterness. So what happens is these roots 
are bitter. They don't taste good. And you ever get around somebody that's negative all the time and people say this, wow, they're so bitter. They're bitter. Well, how does that happen? Roots, seeds come, they're left alone, and then roots get going down, and all of a sudden those roots that are growing are full of bitterness. And you know, there's some really sweet, wonderful people I've met over the years that are Christians that allowed seeds like this to get in their lives, and then roots grew, and that person who was like a drink of water, you know, on a hot day, you know, you get around them, you think, man, it's good to be around them. You know, it's like I'm refreshed just being by them. They're not a drain. It just seems like, whoa. And I've seen some of those same people because we know this will happen to many people. That means everybody's going to deal with this. And all of a sudden they're bitter. And you feel for them. Because they're drinking from that cup too. And, and it affects their witness. It affects their affections. They're focused. Maybe they were a soul winner at one time. Now they don't care. One time they were generous in their graciousness to people. And now they're stingy with graciousness and love. And those are hallmarks of the Christian life. Jesus said, all people are going to know you're my disciples if you will love and be bitter toward one another. Wouldn't it be nice if he said that? Then we'd all be like, oh, cool. But he said, no. He said, you're going to, they're going to know you're my disciples because of love. So what do I do? I, I got to root this kind of stuff out of my life. I've got to get after it and go, no, I'm not going to be bitter against that person. I, I refuse. See, because some of us, we grew up and we learned how to be bitter. And then if somebody does you wrong, uh, uh, they're on the list, they're on the list, they're on the list, they're on the list. Then we gave our life to the Lord and now we have love in our new nature. The Bible's clear about that. And, and so we, we're going to need to progress down this and he writes this so we can get back to a vital walk or stay in a vital walk. Are you with me? So notice, by this many become defiled or tarnished. Why, why should we deal with that? We're going to close over here in 2 Corinthians. If we deal with this, because sometimes when we look at how people treat us, jobs, circumstances have treated us, it matters not what it is. We need to not allow bitterness. We need to get it out. If the thought keeps coming, you need to talk to it like Jesus said and say, no, I will not hold this stuff because I'm not going to allow these roots to grow, because it's not just others that are going to get bitterness from me. I'm going to be eating this. I don't want that. I, I don't want that. You don't want that. No, somebody said, I do. Jesus said, if you do do that, he said, and you make other people pay, he said, you'll end up having to pay. It's just not worth it. Jesus even said it like this. If you hold things against other people and you won't let it go, he said you get turned over to the tormentors. It just brings, God's not turning you over. It just opens the door for yuck. Amen. <laughs> it just, and, and listen, if many people have fallen prey to this, then we all know that there's nobody exempt from having an opportunity in this area. No matter how spiritual you are, you will have an opportunity. And the enemy will definitely remind you. But God is reminding us today so that our walk with him can be vibrant 
and we can see the Lord clear or perceive him the way he wants us to. So we need to stand against these things. And, and here's the thing. Don't argue for its right to be in your life. Yeah, I'd forgive them, but they've done it like 10 times. No, you, if they've done it 100 times, you need to forgive them. That doesn't mean you allow them into your life again if they're doing something horrible. But the fact of the matter is you still have to do that. Don't let things talk you out of this. But everybody else is doing it. Don't let anything talk you out of forgiving and getting bitterness out. 2 Corinthians, we're going to close with this verse, I believe. 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. This church had been dealing with sin, and there had been some open sin in the church. People had been just doing all kinds of junk. And what happened was these people started kind of going, well, it's okay if people do this, and it's okay if people do this, and and it's okay if we have this in our life. And they kind of got complacent and started allowing into their lives everything that was in the world. Well, we already know that it will create roots in us, and there will be a flavor to those roots. When he said, I ate your word and it was sweet to my taste and it was like honey and these different things, well, there's flavors to things. And so he makes this statement right here in 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter and the 10th verse. And he talks about how this church had started adjusting and how that they had started changing their attitude towards sin or things that were not in line with God. And one thing that is not in line with God is bitterness. He's not bitter at you. He said, you don't know what I've done. Like I said, he's not bitter at you. But here in the 10th verse says this, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to the experience of salvation or the fullness of what we have in the Lord. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. He is giving a description of two kinds of sorrow. A sorrow that I got caught doing this wrong thing, but he said that doesn't bring any clarity to a person. But he said the sorrow that where we sorrow before God going, God, I'm sorry, this isn't your way. Not, I just got caught. This is not your way. He said that kind of sorrow, I I didn't mean to do something that was against your way. Not, I got caught doing this thing that's against your way. He said it has a benefit. Notice this. Um... For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of this world produces death, because people are like, bummer, I got caught. But it doesn't always bring change. But then he said this, For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, What diligence it produced in you. Notice when we deal with these things, he said it starts affecting us in a positive way. For example, if we start dealing with bitterness, it will affect us in a positive way. We already know one result is how we perceive the Lord is going to increase. That's personal. Man, I'm going to know God better. There's nothing better than that there's people who want to know famous people but there's and you can't even describe what it is to know God personally why are they so on fire and like that why don't they just calm down maybe they're really perceiving the Lord and he's just so real to them they don't know what to do with themselves 
Now, maybe they could have a little uh, more discretion or knowledge, but at the same time, he's talking about what this will do. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it, it produced in you. In other words, when I said, I, I did wrong, God, and it's not that I got caught, it's because it was wrong in your sight, I'm sorry. He said it will start to bring about change. Diligence in the things of God. What clearing of yourselves. In other words, it will start purging things out of your life. He said, what indignation. What, like a holy anger for wrong. See, when we start holding bitterness or things like that, we're having to compromise, really. And so we're not going to be like, those things are wrong because we're just accepting a wrong. And he said, indignation. He said, what fear it produced. Now that's not a, like a panic fear. That's a reverential respect to God. Wow, look at this huge adjustment just because somebody dealt with something that was wrong. What vehement desire. What zeal. Man, these people are starting to get fired up for God because they got rid of this thing that was hindering them. They started having a zeal again. What a, a strong desire. Where did my desire go? <laughs> Amen. What vindication. In all things you approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. How did they get clear in this matter? They started adjusting and dealing with the issue. And, and it started affecting them. I was going to read it in another translation. Because it just points out how passion started happening. How they wanted to punish wrong. And not, in other words, get after the wrong. Not, not, in other words, not, not, we're not trying to punish people. We're not trying to go out in the world and do stuff. We're just, man, if anything's wrong in my life, that thing is punished. I'm not allowing that. Because why? Because it, it makes for things to blossom and groom and, 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 or to grow. And so when he said this, you know, these are things that kind of preserve us in our walk with God. Now, I understand there are other sin if we just willfully do things. It has the same effect, but the same answer is here. But if I find something in the Bible that says, you know, the world is going to hell and everybody's going there without the Lord, then we need to realize, man, they need me. They need me to tell them. They need me to reach them. They don't need, need me just to pray for them because they won't see the light. They won't come to the Lord that way. And, and so, but if I see that everybody is going to face this because he said offenses will come, but then he said many people succumb to this, then, then man, if, if I'm alerted to this, then and he told me many people are going to deal with this and a lot will succumb to it, then I'm going to have to deal with this and I don't have to and you don't have to succumb to it. Are you with me? Because if I do, it's going to hurt me. I remember this and I'll close with this. When I first got into ministry, I was out of Bible school. I was a youth pastor I went out on a fishing boat. There was a few ministers there, and uh, we were driving out to Catalina Island, and some of those boats are not the fastest, so you get there at 3 or 4 in the morning. So I remember being awake because you kind of leave the dock and you get all your gear ready, and so I'm tying my lines and sticking them in the rod holders, and the boat's like 80 feet, 85 feet long. And there was an older gentleman, he had started three churches by this time, you know, back then. And uh, 
he was an older seasoned minister and he, he just, he started talking to me and he just said, you know, you're early in this. And, and he said, if there's anything I could tell you, if you're, if you want to make it in ministry and you want to make it with the Lord, I still remember the dark night on the rolling seas as he sat and we, we, we stood literally on the rail of this boat and he told me, if you want to make it in life, he said, you're going to have to deal with bitterness and not let anything get in your life. And he said, and stuff, especially in the church and in ministry, is going to come against you. You are going to have a lot of opportunities. He said, if you want to make it, don't allow any of it into your life. And I remember sitting on the side of that boat that night and thinking, this is God. Not this man, he's not God. But I thought, this man is an instrument from God right now, and I know he's talking to me. And not, not the man, but God through the man. I mean, you could just sense God doing something in my heart, and I thought, then I have to calculate this out. I'm going to get wronged. People are going to say things and not always are they going to say it or are they going to be, you know, meaningfully doing it, but it's going to happen. And, and there are people just like Peter when he said to Jesus, I'm not going to let you go. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter. He realized Peter said some stuff, but Peter loved him. Just because people we love us and, and say things sometimes to hurt, we just got to let it go. Don't, don't justify it. Do not. This has served me well over the years. And, we'll, and I'm not trying to say I'm perfect, but I endeavor to deal with this all the time. Because there can be times where nobody's done anything and you're just like, woo and then all of a sudden, whack, whack, whack. And after you get hit a few times, you know, smack here and you're turning and some, something smacks you here and, you turn, and you're getting smacked and you're turning. <laughs> you know, you, uh, it, same thing. It's not like he, you're just going to have one seed sometimes. Sometimes it's not going to be for a while. But you can do it and I can do it. Why? Because we don't want anybody where he said many could. Amen.